Welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. I'm Serena Wilson, a training manager at DCS, and I'm your host for this edition. Today, I'm interviewing Shay Jones, who is the lead specialist of the Non-Custodial Prevention Services Program at Department of Children's Services. The Non-Custodial Prevention Services Program recognizes that child welfare agencies nationwide are moving toward a focus on preventing children and youth from coming into foster care. This focus not only aligns with research around permanency, but it also supports the implementation of new federal legislation called Families First Prevention Services Act. DCS and other providers will see a shift in the way our caseworkers and families identify and access services. In efforts to address this shift and support it, we are conducting a series of webinars and creating a resource guide where service providers come and tell their story and provide information about what they offer and how to make referrals. The webinar series is intended to provide staff with information about how to connect families to services that promote permanency. We're so glad to have you with us today, Shay. Welcome to DCS Talks. Thank you, Serena. I'm so glad to be here with you today and have this opportunity to talk about the Non-Custodial Prevention Service Program with DCS. We have been working with this program for several months as we are developing different aspects of the program. We are hoping to reach out to social child welfare professionals, families, anyone across the state who is working with a child or a youth in need of mental health or behavioral health services. So in my role with DCS now in the Prevention Service Program, I have had the opportunity over many years. I've been with the department for about 15 years. I've also been working in the child welfare system for probably about 20 years. And through my work, many families and children that I have worked with, uh, direct contact with families. I've worked through the court. Uh, again, work with the Department of Children's Services, other child welfare agencies and mental health facilities across the state. The common thing that I find when working with families with children and youth for services is that many times these families are in a crisis. And many times, as we all know, mental health, behavioral health crisis happens sometimes within a few days, within a few hours. They're much different from medical services that many times someone needs. Many times a medical service may be something that's been ongoing for a while, but the mental health crisis again, happens very quickly sometimes. So what I have found in working with children and youth and their families is they need help immediately. They need help to know what to do, how to access services, where do they need to reach out to, what does their child need. And many times these children may be in situations where they have court involvement. They may be in an inpatient hospital. And many times, again, because these crises 
happens so suddenly when it comes to mental health and behavioral health needs that they may have never accessed these services before. I believe through us providing as much information as we can through the Non-Custodial Prevention Service Program through DCS, we will help these families to maintain and preserve their homes and to help their children because we know that is what their goal is. How can I help my child? Yes, that is the intention of the non-custodial prevention services. Ms. Jones, for our listeners, can you explain what do we mean when we say in child welfare non-custodial? So non-custodial refers to a child that is not in the custody of the Department of Children's Services in Tennessee. Non-custodial would be a child that is still in the custody of a family, a relative, someone in the community. That is a child who, again, has not entered into the Department of Children's Services custody. With those non-custodial prevention services, they do look different from what would be provided and involved in custodial, where a child would actually be in the custody of the Department of Children's Services. So that ultimately is keeping children out of foster care. That aligns with a lot of research that we know about keeping children with their families, with their birth families, or their extended family. And thank you so much for telling us about the Non-Custodial Prevention Services Program. And I know that it is a new program to address the needs of families to prevent a child from coming into foster care. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing to get this program up and running? We are developing a webinar series, which we have already started, and we've had about five webinar sessions so far. In the webinar training, our goal is to bring providers in and have the webinar session so that people across the state who are working with children that are in need of the non-custodial prevention services, behavioral health and mental health, we want to bring in those providers and actually give people the opportunity to meet them on the video, to see them, to understand the admission criteria, what population of children they serve. Do they serve males, females, age group? And also to really look at the different types of treatment aspects. We have residential treatment providers, which people who are not familiar with residential treatment, that is a non-custodial prevention service where a child is maintained in the custody of their current custodian, but they do leave their home to go to a facility where they would stay for a few months to have very intensive type of treatment, to deal with trauma, to deal with substance abuse, many different aspects of treatment. So we felt it was very important to try to include that network of providers across the state to really look at what that requirement is. If that child has insurance, what does that insurance require to do an authorization? We're also looking at providers across the state that do what we call community-based treatment, where a child would stay, they're going to keep living in their home, 
but they may need emergency crisis services. They may need to be assessed to go into an inpatient hospital if they're in a crisis episode. We're setting up webinars with providers that would help families in that situation. We're including in our webinar series providers that do what we call inpatient substance abuse treatment for youth, where again, a child would leave their home and go to a program and stay for a few months and receive that intensive substance abuse treatment. We're also looking at doing the webinars with providers that do community-based services. There are a lot of insurances that pay for outpatient therapy, in-home services. So we want to include those providers in this webinar series. We're also partnering with other providers across the state that offer specific treatment around an inpatient hospital stay. So we're really wanting to look at every aspect of what a child or youth may need as far as helping them to be able to be maintained in their home, in the custody of their family, a relative, whoever has custody of them, maintain that connection, but ensure that they get the services that they need to be able to, to return to their home, to be able to maintain in the community. There are many aspects of the behavioral and mental health treatment services. And so through the webinars, focus is to bring those providers in. And during the webinar, they will be providing admission information. You will be able to see that facility many times. They'll have pictures. Um, they'll talk about interaction again with insurances. They'll talk about the specific treatment there. This will give people across the state looking for these services the opportunity to see these providers because it can be very scary and make people very nervous sometimes when they think about their child or their youth going out to a provider. I believe that when we have these webinars and people can actually see they can see the admission director at a facility. They can meet the people maybe doing crisis support services. It will give them a sense of, I understand this. I understand this process. I feel like I can now reach out to this provider or to find this service and be able to connect my child with what they need and be just a more, more personable so that, again, they see they meet on screen, the, the people and the partners out here doing these services. It's such an incredible opportunity for our case managers to be able to see these programs and some of the unique features that some of them have. Your instincts are so good in terms of putting this information into the hands of case managers where they can show these videos to families. So it's so engaging and it aligns with our practice. I really appreciate that and had the pleasure of working with you on these and I've learned so much. There are so many unique treatments that different organizations have. Would you want to talk about some of the things that we have learned about? Yes, for children even who um, may not have insurance or if we have some providers that may be able to give information about a young teenage mother uh, giving support to a young teenage mother with a medically fragile child or any resource. And again, we're, we're looking every day to keep developing and to keep adding to this resource and just to develop 
everything that we can, and we're even asking people to send us information. There's resources out there that we're not familiar with. Send us, notify us, send it to us so that we can reach out to these providers because we have a large state. We have a large network of providers with people out there that are so committed to helping our children and youth to maintain and preserve their homes. And so we want to know, if you know of services out there and providers, let us know so that we can link this all together in our webinars and the other aspects of the non-custodial prevention service program. Even as we are initiating this program, we've had speakers and we're continuing to have speakers come and discuss resources for for maybe home visits for new parents, extra care for infants, and we're also learning about suicide prevention and sources for children who may have been trafficked. Um, also children who have a lot of trauma, like you said, Shay, as well as um, children who may have a dual diagnosis, meaning that they have mental health needs and they have multiple diagnoses happening at one time, and as well as children and youth who may have behavioral issues that are not conducive to their performance at school. So it's just a, a wide, wide array of services that are out there, and we're trying to get that information out to the entire community, our case managers, as well as others in the community. And I love your call to action, Shay. If you are a provider, we would love to hear from you and we would love to get your information and conduct an informational webinar even with you. So please let us know. Ms. Jones, if case managers or the community would like to find out about these resources, where should they start looking? So when we're looking at accessing mental health, behavioral health services, the first thing that probably needs to be looked at is, does that ha child have insurance? And looking at what benefits the insurance provides. Um, many times I find that a lot of families have accessed their medical side of their benefit because, again, that is something that starts from birth and proceeds on with their child. Any medical treatment that child needs or wellness appointments or whatever, many people know how to access that because it's something that we use consistently. But many people, until they have a mental health, behavioral health treatment need or service need, they've never accessed that part of their insurance. What I always do is recommend to people that reach out to that provider, go online if they have a, a membership book, get that membership book, look at what services they provide, look at that mental health side of your membership book, call the insurance company, reach out to them, ask questions, because again, many times we just never used that side before. Sometimes there may be a benefit that you're not even aware of because you've never had to use that before. So that would be where I would start and just see what is covered, what you can access, how to access it. Most people have a, an insurance card. And what I also uh, recommend to people is look on the back of that card. There should be a customer service number. Call that number. Many of the insurance companies that I've worked with through the years will appoint or they will assign 
a care manager to work directly with that family. That can be very helpful to that family because, again, these are services that many people have not navigated through before. And over my years of working in the child welfare system, I have had to myself assist people in navigating through that process of insurance and looking at what services are available and how to access them. So I would, again, recommend starting there. Go online, look up services. I know we have mental health community treatment programs across the state. We have so many mental health outpatient therapy programs across the state. You can call them, look online, look to see how do I start that process. Uh, Many times it's doing an intake at a local mental health center, and then they will, sometimes that connection can be made there to look at what services are available. So that would be my recommendation of where to start. I am always available to anyone to contact me. I have had some years of experience in navigating. I continue to learn every day with our mental health and behavioral health service system and navigation. I learn something new every day. I'm always glad to take my information, and if I don't know an answer, I will contact others that we partner with and try to try to help in any way that I can to navigate these systems. So I do want to go ahead and give our audience my information. My contact information is my phone number. I can be reached at 615-804-8659. That is my direct phone number, and I can also be reached by email. And my email address is shay, S-H-A-Y, dot Jones, J-O-N-E-S, at T-N dot gov. Please contact me if I can be of any assistance in helping to navigate and access these non-custodial prevention services. Because again, we have so many partners and we're all joining together for the same purpose. And that purpose is to help our families and our children preserve their homes. Anything that I can do, please, again, feel free to contact me. Thank you so much for your work, Ms. Jones. I appreciate how much information that you have gathered through the years and how you're gathering all this information to have a a clearinghouse for our families and for our case managers to serve our families here at Children's Services. So thank you so much, Ms. Shay Jones, for joining us today at this edition of DCS Talks. For our listeners, please join us again for other incredible subject matter experts discussing ways to advocate for children and to build resilient communities.